Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Topic of Page podcast. My name is John Mayo. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. In this episode, I am joined by my sister Kay. We're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on the first season of DC's Legends of Tomorrow. We're going to spoil that show, probably at, almost definitely aspects of Arrow and Flash, possibly Supergirl, and who knows what else. Um, 16 episode season, kind of an odd number of, of episodes. I was trying to remember when the first episode aired, because as I recall, we had to wait a while into the season for it to start. I thought it was January. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And I think that's part of why they left from January and returned in uh, in May. Mm. The time travelers in 2016. Yeah. Just trying to keep that real time-ish, which is an odd concept. Overall, I think they had a, a good cast. Arthur Darville, of course, uh, played a time traveler. Rory, a companion of the Doctor in Doctor Who during the Matt Smith era. He played Rip Hunter, the uh, the Time Master here, who's uh, commanding the Wave Rider ship. Wave Rider was a character from the Armageddon 2001 uh, arc of DC stuff. And it was a guy who was a uh, kind of a multicolored, rainbowish sort of uh, outfit or whatever. And he would basically, it was alternate futures for the heroes. So mm-hmm. in the annuals the first time, he would he knew one of the heroes turned bad. He would touch them and see that alternate future. Oh, interesting. So for guys who had like four titles like Batman and Superman, he'd see four different ones because, well, things had changed since the last time. Yeah. Um, so reusing the name of a time-traveling character here made sense. Kronos uh, um, is another character. It was an Adam villain. That name gets reused in a fairly different way here. Uh, but the main team, Hawkman, Hawkwoman... Well, and sure. let's. Well, I want to go through them, but I want to slow down enough to discuss where within the DC shows we got their origin. As in, did we see Kendra become Hawkwoman here or over on Flash? Because that it, was over on the Flash Arrow crossover this year. That's what I was thinking. Um, that's where we really get the backstory of uh, Hawkman and Hawkwoman. Um, we had seen Hawkwoman kind of manifest maybe prior to that but this was really kind of explaining it all and if so it was just like an immediate episode prior because this is coming out of the flash stuff um but that crossover was also where we got the backstory on vandal savage yes so arguably that two-hour crossover this year between arrow and flash which is something of an annual tradition was the springboard for this series yeah um captain cold and heatwave we got their origins in the flash show because they were flash villains um Canary, White Canary, technically, uh, was, we've gotten a ton of her backstory over an arrow. Mm-hmm. The island sequence and her coming back, her getting killed, coming back, etc. Uh, one thing I do want to mention with the Hawks is, of course, their backstory is from ancient Egyptian times having been kind of, not immortal, but serial reincarnations. Yeah. So dying and coming back is a motif with them. Um with with Heatwave and Captain Cold, in the course of this season, uh, both of them uh, appear to die, one more definitively than the other. Yeah. Um, other members of the team, we've got uh, 
Ray Palmer is the Adam mm-hmm. who appeared to die in I think the season finale last season of Arrow. Yeah, and we got his origin on Arrow. Yeah, got his a lot of backstory for him on Arrow because um, that's the show he was coming out of. And then Firestorm, mm, both Flash. of those came out of the Flash. You could argue uh, Martin Stein uh, with the whole particle accelerator thing. He was believed to be dead for a while. Yeah. Uh, Jefferson is the replacement other half of Firestorm because uh, they wanted to go a different way with the Ronnie Raymond character. Well, and I really like how Jefferson is used. And I think what they did with the Ronnie Raymond character actually created a more interesting relationship for the Martin Stein and um, Jefferson Jackson characters. Well, and I think they needed to, to go with somebody like Jefferson other than Ronnie because Ronnie um, would have been somewhat redundant Mm. with uh raymond yeah smart guys eh, more or less the same height build you know etc it's like they didn't need both of them and the adam was the better character to have yeah well and raymond is very much tech savvy but i almost want to say in more of an ivory tower corporate kind of way whereas jefferson jackson is also street smart he's street smart but he's tech savvy in more of the auto mechanic kind of way and i think the two balance each other when it comes to repairing the ship absolutely and they come at it with very different mindsets and while both of them have a mentor uh, relationship sort of a thing with stein they manifest very differently yeah whereas i think Again, with Ronnie, it, it that wouldn't have happened as well. Well, and because Stein had lost Ronnie, he had the emotional baggage, that, that grieving process, but also that uh, he, protectiveness exactly. of his partner. He became very overprotective at times. I liked the arc that uh, Stein and, and Jefferson go through over the course of it. Mm-hmm. Stein forcing him into this expedition. And then at the end, Jefferson almost doing the same to Stein. Yeah. Yeah. But being much more upfront and and going about it the right way. Yes. So I thought that was was very interesting. But the the finale started with one of the characters appearing to be dead and of course the question we were talking about before we watched this last episode was will they bring that character back? Mm. And then I start to think about it and I'm like who the hell haven't they brought back? Every one of these characters has pretty much died. Yeah. Some multiple times, some eh, maybe not so much. But I'm curious what direction they go next season, because this season, while I like the show, I thought the f- the premise was fundamentally flawed. Yeah, I have to agree there. The thing spins out of um, them not having successfully killed, the Hawks not having successfully killed Vandal Savage in the crossover. Vandal Savage goes on, kills Rip's family in the future. Rip gets the, the team together, goes through time to, to defeat Vandal Savage. Mm-hmm. But... If they had done anything successfully prior to nineteen or to, to, to 2016, it would have invalidated the Hawks' origin in the assembly of the team. Yeah. And yet we keep going back further in time. And I, I like being able to go back further in time. I liked some of the World War II era stuff we got. Uh, I liked um, the, the Jonah Hex episode was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think there's some story to be told with all of that. But there are a few things that they very much just address but dance around. Yeah. Um, at one point, when somebody's going to kill their earlier selves, uh, they just magically go grab them all and, and, and dump them off in a safe place. And literally, with a, a line or two of dialogue, Rip's like, yep, I'm going to go put them back. It'll be like you never left. 
Yeah. And that's really a line of dialogue, so we get to, to close that loop. Yeah. So it was too centric on Savage, and that well, may and, just be the big bad for the season, though. But to me, he was not compelling enough or interesting enough of a big bad. I got bored with him. I wanted him over and done with. I think they were expecting the audience to like him, I think, more than we did. I think so, too. And it wasn't a bad character or bad actor. It just was a swing and a miss, I think, for me. The character didn't have the charisma. The character didn't have the, I get why he's doing what he's doing. I never understood that. If they had cast... The guy from V who was in uh, This Isn't My Life or whatever that show was. Oh, This Is Not My Life. Um, Charles Measure. Charles Measure. Mm-hmm. If he had played Savage, yeah, I think he could have made the character pop in a way that this actor just didn't quite do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this actor also had a bit of an odd accent mm-hmm. that was uh, almost intentionally unplaceable in my opinion. Yeah. Um, well, and I was a little disappointed that uh, when Vandal Savage finally has a daughter that we find out about, we leave her in that time period to fight his minions, which on the one hand makes sense. She has inside knowledge and everything. I wanted them to bring her into the team. I was sort of hoping that, particularly when we lost Hawkman early on, that we would get a replacement team member or a new team member or something. Mm-hmm. She was a possibility. Um, the uh, arrow uh, from the future oh, yes. was a possibility. Yeah. I'm trying to think who else. Those were the main ones. Um, I get why they didn't do it, but it. I, I think they had a rough concept in an arc for the season, but the show hadn't gelled as much as I had hoped it would before it aired, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, I know a few people who didn't want to give the show a chance because, and this is part of why I asked you to help me orient sort of a, which characters came out of which other shows and where were their origins? Because some of my friends were saying, well, these are the leftovers of DC. No, 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 no. And uh, I, I don't feel that's a fair criticism, but given most of their origin stories aired in other television shows i can see where they got that impression i would argue it's an odd spinoff yes it is and it's odd to spin off equally from two different shows yes i would argue the hawks could have easily been the anchor of another new show set them up as archaeologists in a place and Mm. go you know on that arc uh kind of a thing um Obviously, uh, the Adam was a, a really fun character in the Arrow show, and doing more with him beyond just that show made sense. Again, uh, that was a uh, arguably as a list. Of, uh, I liked having a team of superheroes. Well, what's interesting is a lot of the heroes they chose are essentially satellite era Justice Leaguers. Mm. Adam, the Hawks, Flash, and Green Arrow were also key members at that point. Um, Firestorm. Uh, very much so. Um, and Rip Hunter, when he had his own comic, it was more back in the 60s, more of a sci-fi era uh, piece. But the other two, um, Captain Cold and Heat Wave, are the main characters out of the Flash's rogues gallery that they've established so far. So taking them out of the Flash was a very odd choice. It worked well. well and I think they're terrific actors who really are... are 
fitting well with the the roles. Yeah, I thought that was excellent. Uh, I loved the whole, we're not heroes, but in many ways redeeming them, finding the good in them mm-hmm. and stuff. I, I loved it. I saw one interview with the guy who plays Captain Cold, Wentworth Miller, where they were saying, you know, you've been the headline of a show. Why would you take this character that is just one of the ensemble where you're not carrying the scenes? He said, well, in addition to not having the weight of carrying the scenes, what I love about this character is he's the spice. Yeah. He can toss just a couple of lines in and really spin the scene. Yeah. And what I loved about his character in The Flash is he had a code. He 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 does what he does. And once you get mm-hmm. how he thinks, yeah, he's reasonably predictable. Yeah. Barry never really got it, though. Yes. Well, and I think that's part of why uh, Heatwave sticks with him and follows him. He knows he may not be the best judge in terms of he burned down his family home, his parents died because he didn't go back in. But those two are essentially the villainous version of a buddy cop pair in an ensemble drama. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're the easiest ones to kind of go, okay, you two go take care of that or whatever. Yeah. Um, and again, they, they bounced very, all the characters bounced well off each other. Mm-hmm. And I thought they did a really good job kind of establishing uh, the, the, the interpersonal dynamics and the, how the characters evolved over the season, some more so than others. Yeah. Well, at the very end of this last episode, Heatwave had a scene that that character would not have had back at the pilot in the bar. No, was not capable of having. He was not in that emotional state or whatever. Yeah. And the evolution of that character was remarkable. Well, and also the way uh, Ray Palmer plays into that whole dynamic with those two. Yes. You know, he's the naive, almost bumbling person, whereas he, he... He's, I don't want to say made his peace with those guys. But well, the Boy Scout who took a beating for Heatwave simply because he's the good guy who can't see someone else take a beating, even if it means he takes the beating. Well, he earned their respect and they earned some of his. Yeah. And I liked how that all played out. Yeah. Um. Again, would have liked to have seen a few other characters here and there. I'm wondering how they're going to change up the dynamic going into the next season. But to say that these are the leftover characters, I don't think so, because Heatwave and Cold are a core aspect of the Flash mythology, but are not essential to it. Well, but I guess my point is, I can see why people said that since they had been sort of second tier on Arrow, the TV show, and on Flash, the TV show. I'm wondering, though, how do I come back to those people after this season? You see what I'm saying? in the... These are the characters that are not central to the storylines of Arrow or Flash. They were established there. They needed their own room to shine. They decided to go with a team show, and it's like, let's pull the good characters. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they make a powerful team. Oh, yeah. Um, and one that I'm glad that they're uh, getting a second season, as far as I know. And they certainly set up a second season here. Yes, definitely. And everything I'm indicate- hearing indicates they absolutely get it. Yeah. But uh, to me, it's a matter of, I don't say backdoor pilot type stuff, but they used Arrow and Flash to to grow a a very 
healthy universe mm-hmm. that needed more room to to shine. These are the characters. I mean, Firestorm was cre- was was introduced to the audience in the Flash show, but he's not central to that storyline. Yeah. Same with the Atom over in Arrow. So again, not the leftovers, but um, the the creative offspring of, if you will. Yeah. Where they left the end of the season um, really kind of surprised me. Those final few seconds? Uh, even a little before that. Totally new status quo for the Time Masters. Yes. Their lock on their power structure is gone. Well, let's back up a little to, first of all, the Oculus. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about where Gideon was getting the information for, has the timeline remained stable? Has the timeline changed? I had always figured... The vanishing point is kind of outside of time and therefore shielded from changes in time, and they have a way to communicate back to the base. So whatever uh, documentation database they've got, they had access to. Mm -hmm. I didn't take it as they needed this magical peering into the time stream capability. That's essentially what the Oculus was okay uh, when it got destroyed. That, of course, changes the thing. I was more surprised that Vandal Savage was essentially being um, orchestrated or, or used by the Time Masters. Now, see, that was one that, for me, it could have gone either way. Who was using who? I think I think Vandal was using them as much as they were using him. But when they, when they made that proclamation in the show, and it's like, oh, he's going to save the world from the Thanagarians, that, to me, was a turning point for the series. Um, undecided if it was a good one or a bad one. Yeah. This goes back to... Um, kind of the radioactivity of the Hawks. The Hawkman, Hawkwoman characters uh, have been around since way back in the day from DC. Uh, they were in the Golden Age, um, and back then they were kind of more or less this origin, reincarnated old Egyptians, etc. Um, then in the Silver Age, they became essentially aliens from another planet, space police, if you will, mm. the Nagarians. Okay. Here, they've gone with the one... Egyptian backstory, but now they're introducing the Thanagarians, and I'm like, and somehow their blood ties into the Thanagarian meteorites. How does this work? Is that the nth metal? What's going on? There's kind of a pop, you know, of the brain going there. But when around the time of Crisis on Infinite Earths, a little after that, I guess, DC was restructuring the backstory of certain characters, and there came a point where it felt like every other week, and it wasn't quite that fast, there was a new backstory for the Hawks. Hmm. Are they Thanagarians? Are they reincarnated? Or is it, you know, was he part of the Justice League back in the day? Was he not? How was this going on? Mm-hmm. And their backstory just completely unraveled. Yeah. To the point where uh, it was almost impossible to use the characters for a bit because it was unclear what's their backstory or we're giving them a new one. And so there was a, uh, and I don't want to say which editor, but you know who I'm going to be talking about. An editor uh, I talked to at, at Comic-Con one year had basically said, yeah, we got to wait for the radioactivity to die down on those guys. Yeah, yeah. And, and he was right, um, because it was it was, it was was so confusing. Mm. Um, and then Jeff Johns later reintroduces them into the JSA, finds a way to kind of dovetail a little of both in there. Um, they're great characters, and they're well used here, but... When I was surprised it took us so long to find another incarnation of Carter. I was disappointed by that. When they killed him off early on, I was expecting, okay, that was back in the 70s, flip back to a you know current day or whatever, and you've got another one 
aged up again. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would have loved to have seen an episode where you've got the the second one, the the replacement of the the one they brought back in timing in he dies, basically shadowing them over the decades mm. as a guardian angel almost. Yeah, really. You know, and and to see how that would have played out. Um there's there's fun stuff they could have done there. That's something that we've seen that sort of story on forget if it was Twelve Monkeys or one or two other things where there's kind of the one episode that kind of, yeah, we're telling this big arc, but oh, by the way, let's let's catch up on this little side story thing that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so with those two flying off at the end of this season, right before the end, uh, are they gone? Are they coming back? I'm expecting they're coming back. Well, and, you know, the question has to be asked, are those exact pair, that exact incarnation coming back? I don't think so, because the guy that we get at the very end of the season, and again, we are doing spoilers, is, what did he say, uh, Rex Tyler? Yeah, oh, our yes. man. Yeah. Uh, member and identifies himself as a member of the Justice Society. Core members of the Justice Society, Hawkman, Hawkwoman. Hmm. Now, in the comics, they're a World War II era group. Mm, okay. So the question is, is that where this is from? They've also more recently been present day characters as well, but... It's possible that they took the current version of the Hawks off stage so this group of characters could go back in time with, you know, interact with the JSA back in the World War II era and interact with that Hawkman and Hawkwoman and maybe keep them for a bit. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That then begs the question of, well, do you then change their timeline? How does that, you know, Mm. how much of time really wants to happen? How much doesn't? Yeah. Because they danced around a, and they had to. Uh, an interesting possibility of bringing back uh, Black Canary, who'd recently died in Arrow. Yes. And the reason they kind of had to dance around that is it would have been unfair to people just watching Arrow mm. for this show to undo that death. Yeah. But, you know, could happen. In the comics, it would have. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I'm really excited about the possibility of either uh, this Hour Man. Uh, he doesn't call himself Hour Man. Or did he? No. No. But this character uh, of uh, Rex Tyler uh, joining the group, um, maybe we see more of the Justice Society. Maybe he's from an alternate timeline. I was intrigued that uh, it was Heatwave, Mick Rory, who told him to come back and tell them not to go because they'd all die if they did. Yeah. Interesting choice of who told them to come back and be saved. Well, and it, it could just be he was the last man standing or something. Could be. But it, it shows he cared. Yes. Again, very big evolution of the character. Absolutely. Um, but I'm as equally curious, are we going to get back uh, Captain Cold? Definitely. Well, he's He brings a lot to the show. He does. So the other thing I thought was really interesting and hadn't really dawned on me until the second to last episode, um, we've got Jefferson having been sent back to 2016 to save his life. Mm-hmm. He, we see a scene where... Stein and Jefferson prior to, you know, in in the midst of the pilot episode are having a discussion that we hadn't seen of do we go, do we not go. Jefferson walks off. Jefferson from from the now later mm. in the ep- season shows up and says, hey, we got got to do something. We got problems. Cut to Star Labs and they're working on the time sphere. Mm-hmm. Now, the time sphere we'd seen at the end of the first season of Flash. And it was very much, yeah, it's one of Rip Hunter's. 
Yet in the entire show of of uh, Legends of Tomorrow, we never see Rip Hunter within arm's distance of one of these things. Yeah, well, you know. And it was a souped-up version, but in the comics, Rip Hunter essentially had a, a literally a time sphere. It was almost like a, uh, you know how they'd have one of those diving spheres? Mm-hmm. Kind of, it was kind of like that. You know, all metal, no windows, no glass. Yeah. You, know, you go in, you set the thing, you open the door, and you come out in another time frame. What I liked in all of that was uh, Jefferson telling Martin, you know, I forgive you for the whole roofie thing. And Martin saying, I would never dream of. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> Again, relationship was really good there. I also liked when uh, Jefferson meets his father. That was beautiful. I mean, they had some moments that was just some really great character stuff. Well, and one of the things I loved about Jefferson meeting his father was that Martin was the one who facilitated it. Yeah. There were a couple of times where Martin as the, I don't say the wise old man, but essentially mm-hmm. filling that role well, but helped again, a lot. It was an evolution of his character because at the beginning of the season, we were led to believe that he was very self-centric. Mm-hmm. Which is a bit different than self-centered. Because it wasn't that it was all about him. It was that he was only aware of what was around him, affected him, and influenced his research and his world. Yeah, I'm wondering where they're going to go with his character in a second season. Because there were enough times where he's like, well, if my math is right, and it is, that I'm almost expecting either he's going to make a major math mistake and Mm. and cause problems... Or he's going to, in the second season, if my math is right and everybody else chimes in, and it always is. Yeah. You know, kind of take the the, uh, egotism to a degree and notch it back just a little. Well, they've built up that kind of rapport, though, with all the characters. Yes. They're at the point they can do those sorts of things now. Yeah. Um, I also liked how in this last episode we got the introduction of the transmutation ability of Firestorms. That was pretty wild. And how his costume was starting to look more and more like the traditional firestorm costume versus just the little funky kind of you know mm. uh, uh gizmo on the chest mm-hmm. of course flip side it was also a little disheartening how uh, captain cold's gun in most of the series f- was was working less and less like it did in the flash yeah although i would take it a little as a comment uh, Heatwave made when he'd given it to somebody else to use of, you know, you're wasting ammo. Mm. So it could have very meant much been that because uh, uh, Snart didn't know how long he was going to be out there, he just ratcheted it back. Yeah. You know, and it would have been nice once or twice to see him kind of go all out. Yeah. A flip side, it was also really nice to see the Atom go into a growth mode at one point. Yes. Uh, and And do some fun stuff. They, they played well with the characters, they stayed true to the characters, yet also grew the characters over the course of the season. Yeah. So there's... Uh, well, and we also hmm. got a, a, a great trip back in time where people got stranded for two years, hmm. which gave a wonderful explanation for how uh, Sarah Lance ended up being rescued by the League of Assassins. Well, I thought that also did a lot for the relationship between Kendra and Raymond. It did, definitely. You know, and again, that whole, yep, they were there for two years. Yeah. Uh, fun sort of a thing that you can do. Yeah. In a, a time travel show. So they've got a lot of potential. Them being self-appointed guardians of the time stream, I think, 
frees them up to a much wider variety of types of stories. Yes. Uh, I am curious what kind of quote unquote the mission will be uh, at the start of the season uh, since they've got a, hey, if you go on that time ship, you're going to die. Okay, get some specifics around that. Yeah, exactly. And I'm assuming that'll be another season long arc. Yeah. Now, whether it's a 16 episode season or a full 20 or whatever, I would imagine a full 20. Um, if I were in the CW's position, I would try to have Arrow, Flash, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, and Supergirl kind of at the, the eight o'clock hour or whatever, the first hour of primetime. Um, eight Pacific, seven Central. <laughs> um, uh, almost every day of the week, you know, yeah, kind of I was gonna say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that gives you the ability for the, if they want to do, and it sounds like they definitely do, a crossover across all four. Mm. That's really powerful. Well, I think CW has released a planned lineup for next season, and they're going to keep Supergirl on Monday, which had been its uh, time slot on CBS. And that makes sense. You know, and go with sort of the same as it is now with a show a night. Well, and with all the shows under not only the same network, but the same executive producer if they can and i don't know if this is how they've been doing it on the flash arrow crossovers if they can essentially pool the money in the budget mm. for for that and it's like okay we've got a four episode budget let's really knock the socks off or whatever yeah. and can can get the actors and stuff to to go across without breaking the bank mm. they could really start to put together you know this is essentially uh, you know a, a a full justice league cast yeah um, and I want to see them continue to push the envelope there because, you know, with when you pull in Supergirl, you can start to pull in Red Tornado, mm. certainly Martian Manhunter, all three of which were, again, satellite era Justice Leaguers, you know, and if you could do that, and then you've got maybe some, some JSA characters floating about, it, there, there, there's so much potential and possibility there. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And they've been treating all the characters well across the shows. Yes. And again, the fact that they took some characters that, frankly, Heatwave, uh, Captain Cold, there wasn't time or space or room or need for them to to, to get a spotlight in uh, in Flash. They've had so many characters uh, they're de- dealing with over on Arrow. Wasn't really time to to do more with with Adam. Yeah, they had another Canary already, so taking those two out again. Same with Flash and and Firestorm and stuff. So yeah, it. To me, it never felt like cast-offs so much as, you know, let's assemble this group of characters um, that we've we've established and built up over the course of, of, you know, a few seasons of these other shows. If they can continue to, and one of the things I would have liked to have seen a little more in Legends of Tomorrow, plant some, some other characters out there. Mm, yeah. You know, um, again, we got Vixen introduced in, in Arrow this season. We never, Jonah Hex is the closest we came to another, well, in, in Our Man now, uh, other characters really getting introduced to the, the, the DC, uh, uh, TV universe mm-hmm. through Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So I want them to, to keep going. I think there's a lot of potential. Um, the effects by and large were really good. Mm-hmm. There are a number of times where it's like, okay, the, the wings on the Hawks, man, they go away quick. Yes. But, uh, I don't know. It's uh, it, uh, loosening up the mandate, getting rid of the focus on Savage. I think will strengthen the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a question of do they replace it with a stronger uh, concept, or is whatever's happening with the JSA going to feel kind of restrictive? Well, and 
does bringing in the JSA bring in more characters than the one we saw? Oh, absolutely. Because the JSA um, had, you know, about a dozen members. I mean, yeah. they were the original JLA before the Justice League. That's what I thought. Um, other members of the JSA are classically, uh, let's see, you got the Hawks, uh, Jay Garrick Flash, mm. which, again, spoiling Flash stuff, if the Jay Garrick we've seen isn't the Jay Garrick, and my money is on uh, a Henry Allen parallel being the true Jay Garrick. Mm. Then you could have him as a member of mm-hmm. the JSA if you wanted to, because that's on Earth 2. Because uh, this guy never really said in, in Legends of Tomorrow what Earth he's from. Yeah, that's true. It didn't He had like three lines of dialogue, didn't have time. Um, but anyways, you've got uh, Flash, you had the Golden Age Green Lantern. I'll skip for the moment Superman, uh, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Because while they were original members of the JSA, uh, after a while they kind of got faded to the background just to make that team seem a bit more different than the the, the current Justice League. Got it. Um, Dr. Fate, uh, definitely a, a core member. Matter of fact, he showed up in the JSA when they showed up in um, Smallville. Hmm. Actually, those would be good episodes uh, to show you is the two-parter in Smallville that had the JSA. Oh, okay. Um, Star Spangled Kid. Um, later Stargirl, uh, were members, Power Girl, Earth 2 version of Supergirl, um, Wildcat, whom we've seen a version of, kind of, sort of, an arrow, um. The boxing training guy. The boxing guy. training guy. Uh, a version of the Atom that's very different than the Ray Palmer one. It was <laughs> just short. Oh, okay. Another boxing type guy. A lot of those characters, uh, were essentially, uh, in the JSA, uh, either cosmically powered, unbelievably powerful, like Dr. Fade or the Spectre. Um, or they were more street level types. Mm. So you had Black, uh, 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 Wildcat, you had Spectre. Uh, I'm trying to just envision the, the typical round table you would see. Uh, Johnny Thunder actually would be a lot of fun. He had a magical, uh, genie Thunderbolt thing. Uh, and the original Black Canary. Mm. So, uh, there are a few others from that time period that went under the name the All Star Squadron. Um, Johnny Quick, Liberty Bell. Commander Steel, um, Tarantula, Firebrand, a few others. So I don't expect them to bring all of those sorts of characters in. It would just be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But it would be fun to see them firmly establish the JSA in a World War II era. And maybe it's a World War II era of Earth 2 or something. Yeah. But something to where if they wanted to, to make a go of a period piece superhero show, something that frankly... Yeah, almost compete with the uh, 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 Agent Carter. Agent Carter. Yeah, but blatantly super heroic. Yes, could be fun. That's interesting. The only thing that just occurred to me is I'm wondering if uh, Rip Hunter's actually going to go check on his wife and son now that we had the little throw Vandal Savage into the uh, power transformer and seemed to send out a ripple of blue wavy things that might have changed time. I would hope so. I hope so too. I was half expecting the, the person who got off the, the demolished Wave Runner crashing was his son. Me too. Um, so, mm. I'm, again, I'm, the, the whole teasing of the JSA, the Justice Society, uh, there are a lot of different ways they could go with that. I don't know that I necessarily want it to be introduce a member every episode sort of a thing or oh, whatever. If they do that, I really want them between Flash, Arrow, and, and Supergirl. To build up the Justice League. In the grand scheme of things, it feels like they 
tantalized us. They opened a door. Mm-hmm. They didn't commit themselves to something. They, I mean, they they kind of did. Yeah, but not. They didn't commit themselves to a Vandal Savage type precision. Yes, they they teased the, the JSA, but until we get the opening of the next season, there, there there is no one direction this has to go. Yeah, but I do think they committed to a degree in so much as Jeff Johns is. Uh, now one of the heads of, of the DC film section. I assume TV falls under that too. Don't know for certain. He's had a very heavy hand on the TV side of things. He is the uh, chief creative officer over at DC Comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has also been a writer, uh, notably for uh, Green uh, Lantern. Mm-hmm. Uh, brought that up to the top of the sales charts at one point. But also one of the other titles he's best known for is the Justice Society. Ah, Okay. Or JSA, yeah, as it yeah. was titled at the time. Um, so, both as a period piece, he was doing it as a modern-day thing. There's literally dozens of characters that he is very well familiar with and a big fan of and did a great job with that they could bring in. Nice. Um, and I would, I, I'd like to see them do some of that, you know. So, I'm, I, they've teased Crisis on Infinite Earths in The Flash. And now that they've got a couple of shows, depending how they want to fold the Supergirl stuff in, does it stay on another world? Does it not? You know, mm-hmm. um, it makes sense to keep it on another world. But then how do you have regular crossovers again? Legends Tomorrow could facilitate. Um, and maybe the JSAs from that world. I don't know. There, there's so much they could do. Yeah. And it's, it's just mind blowing to be living in a time. I mean, when I was growing up, the only way you could read about or enjoy stories about these characters was either to read about them or hope the Super Friends had a halfway decent episode. Yeah. And I like the Super Friends classic stuff, grew up on it, loved DC because of it, but it's a kid's cartoon. Yeah. Now, literally almost every night of the week, there's there's a cool show. Yeah. Yeah, and for people to complain, oh, it's the has-beens of the other shows. There are enough shows and enough has-beens. They filled an ensemble. Yeah, exactly. You know, kind of a thing. It's like, yeah. man, that's a that's a horrible problem to have, isn't well, it? I mean, you look over at uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I thought would bring in some Marvel superheroes or Marvel-powered people. And just for comparison, let's say you wanted to make a Leftovers of Marvel out of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., well, what's funny Could is you? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has tried to spin off multiple shows. Well, that's true, too. And you could argue whether you consider Agent Carter a spinoff of it or not, or just a, another show based on the Captain America stuff, which I, I think was, is the better me too. way to go. But Agent Carter is not continuing past its second season. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has tried twice to spin off uh, Hunter and Bobby to other shows. It hasn't. Whereas Arrow, I watched it initially because oh, I feel obligated. Green Arrow is a TV show. He's gonna he's he's living in Lex Luthor Mansion from Smallville. How's this gonna work? <laughs> um, but it was good. It grew on me. Then they introduced the Flash. That's now a successful show. Now they introduce Legends of Tomorrow. That's a successful show. Supergirl kind of makes an end, you know, a run. Not end run, but a, a, a from the outside sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. But gets folded over with the crossover and the flash. It's like, this is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So the DC stuff on TV uh, is incredibly viable because you've also got, if you include the Vertigo stuff, iZombie and uh, Lucifer, mm. plus the short-lived Constantine. What DC is doing in TV is working. Yeah. Some more so than others. Constantine only lasted a season, whatever. But it's a very much even just with the berlanti stuff of flash arrow 
Supergirl and Legends of Tomorrow, fruitful in, in growing universe in a yeah. very organic way. Yeah. You know, so if they can just start bringing a couple of these characters in, have a core team, have some people that they bring in just for missions or, or whatever on, on Legends of Tomorrow, I mean, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it would be. You know, have an episode that's got Vixen, have another episode that's got, uh, trying to think of one or two of the other uh, one-off heroes or whatever that we've seen or whatever. Yeah. A lot of possibility. Yeah. So, uh, curious where they're going to go with it. Um, there were a few places uh, this season where, again, I wasn't sold on on the concept, going after Savage, all that kind of stuff. Um, but they kept their fun ride even when they frustrated me with their approach. Yes. While I thought the show may not have had the best premise, it was well executed it had a good mix of of humor and in some cases a little ludicrousness, but also uh, ongoing storyline that that held water mm-hmm. and good character moments and good character moments. And when it was a little hokey at times, they kind of sort of acknowledged that, mm-hmm. and that was part of the charm. Yeah, yeah. You've got the more hardened criminals of Captain Cold and, and Heat Wave, and you put them up against the the goofy Adam, essentially. Well, and when uh, Captain Cold and Heat Wave went to bar. To a bar with a white canary, mm-hmm. and someone basically made the mistake of picking a fight with her, and they're like, "No, nah, we're not going to step in. She's got it, and she's got it for quite a while until like five or six guys come after her, and then mm-hmm. she's like, "Okay, you guys can come over now." Well, we are just waiting for an invitation. <laughs> While they they put cold on ice, so to speak, very uh, definitively, I can't imagine his character not coming back. I agree. And if if they choose not to to go down that path, I think it's a horrible mistake. I agree. I also don't know how I would bring him back, to be honest. I think they basically told us how at the end. We can come back to this bar anytime. They can't take that cold because that cold is from ni- uh, from 2013, essentially hmm. prior to the flash starting up. Yeah. So one doesn't have the cold gun. Two, it completely messes up his timeline. Yeah. And you kill him again, you got a paradox. I know, I think they'll figure it out. So I would basically probably use the smaller time sphere thing and borrow the flash long enough to have him get there, zip him out right before the explosion. Nice, yeah. That is nice. And uh, almost have Barry do the, okay, now you owe me one. See, I kept waiting to figure out why couldn't they just wedge... That little lever that had to be held down with something or use the cold gun to freeze it The cold it gun was my idea, too. It's like, you know, just, okay, that'll ice it up. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. But I so, like your Flash idea. And Flash never showed up in the series, which surprised me. I was yeah. expecting him and, and Arrow to show up for, you know, hey, we need some extra guns. Well, we did get uh, Stephen Amell the We ones. got Stephen Amell as a later Arrow. Yeah. But the premise, the way they had pitched it, implied that they would be kind of auxiliary members of the team. Yeah. And we didn't get that. Yeah. And, I mean, in the episode with Stephen Amell, I liked who was wearing the hood. They did some fun stuff there. Again, uh, the the future Arrow is another one I'd like to see them bring in. Yeah. yeah. So. And crazy as it may be to say, I, I liked Vandal Savage's daughter. Again, there was uh, there have been one or two daughters of Vandal Savage in the comics, so some potential there. She was interesting. I would I I would be tempted to see her going through history trying to make up for where dad did for what yeah. she didn't know she was an accomplice to. Well, and there's also something to be said for assembling a team from different points in time. Yeah. I just I 
I want to see them do more stuff like they did with Jonah Hex. And uh, we got a teaser of Negative Woman from the Russia stuff in the 70s. Mm. Um, I want to see them bring in more and more characters. You know, the other one that I liked that was all too brief was uh, Kendra and Carr's son. Mm. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. It was a good way to, to start with those characters. Yeah. So I'm hoping they use the uh, the break between seasons to kind of retrench, rethink, and, and come back with a really strong game plan. Me too. Because I think they had the inkling of an idea. I think it worked well. But I think they're on the verge of being able to just knock it out of the park. I agree. You know, get yeah. a couple of really good guest stars for a couple of key characters here and there. Tell a strong arc. Continue with the good good technical work and stuff. Well, and you're set. Capitalize on the uh, not just the characters they have, but the growth they've given them. Yes. Yeah, it's got to be something that at the end of each season, whatever, the characters need to be noticeably mm-hmm. more than they were before. Well, I mean, Ray came out, you know, he was a Boy Scout in the beginning, yeah, but if you want to picture him as... He was naive. Well, yeah, but if you want to picture him as that sheriff with the badge, that badge was shinier at the end, because mm-hmm. he was he was a good guy to start with, but he was an even better guy at the end. When he gave Kendra that hug at the end, it was genuine. Yeah. And that's one of the things you love about Ray, is he's always genuine, but you knew he meant what he was saying to her. Well, and what I enjoy about these characters is they're fun to watch. Yes. You know, they're deep enough dimensionality to them and character moments that are good. The The plots are, are, are entertaining with them, but it's not depressing. It's it's not frivolous. It's It's got a good action beat to it. And again, it's like I want to see more with these characters. Yeah. So anything else? Does that pretty much do it? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.